Good morning, pilgrim and travelers on the flying path of life. In all fairness, I guess good morning would have been the one, but it is now 4.08, so it is afternoon. So I'm redoing, well, I'm not redoing, I'm doing another one, obviously. Since it's not scripted, I'm not redoing the podcast. But I, got, I had a few interruptions this morning and I kind of you know it just feels right and uh, oh my goodness I'm still kind of a sleepy head here but uh, I'm gonna go on a nice walk so you're coming with me and I'll tell you why is it that I'm redoing it or what happened so hope you're doing well hope your weekend was uh, fruitful <laughs> fructifero Fructifero! Um, I guess I can start with talking about uh, why the impetus actually behind starting the podcast, which was more uh, therapeutic yesterday, when uh, I had this kind of weird uh, emptiness, restlessness, and you know, just feeling weird, basically. Something that just it just doesn't feel right. Uh, okay, hold on a second. Just in my pants here. I think I want to zip my jacket. It's a glorious day. I just took an amazing nap on the swim foot anyway, in the sun. Wonderful. But it is still winter. <laughs> it's still winter. Let me not get my hopes up here. And uh, talking about that uh, sensation. just uh, feeling different and I guess you could say well then which one is the most accurate you know is the one that you are most of the time is it really aligned that part or are those few times where you are basically completely thrown off kind of like a reminder that it's not what you think it is oh is it that you know those few things, I don't, who knows, who knows what they are, They're just a mystery, I don't know, I don't have an answer to that question, to be honest, I don't know what to make of it, but what's interesting, and worthwhile exploring, is this idea of, uh, I guess call it passive resistance, or assertive resistance, but I don't know, and obviously asking who knows if asking about it wondering about it kind of maybe cracks a door open and who knows sometimes you know what one thing might lead to but it feels like it doesn't seem to be that productive so you know what if well these things do happen from time to time and you don't really know what they are. That's good enough. And therefore, what is going to be the most then productive way to deal with this unknown, this discomfort, this unease, in non-judgmental way? Because could the idea of 
that categorizing that idea could make it different, could charge it and give it a different kind of energetic load into your life. And somehow that kind of makes sense to me that it would. So, you know, it is kind of almost like surrendering to it, finding a way to be like, okay, you are here. You know, it's not like I like you or I agree with you, but okay, you're my guest. Then how do I treat guests? And sometimes some guests, they are just not as welcomed, right? It's kind of one way to look at it. And in a way, yesterday experience fits in a strange way nicely in terms of today's disturbances. Because I forgot around what time. I think when... I think it was when I came down to make my breakfast. Maybe not. Might have been when I was starting to do the sweeping and mopping up upstairs. I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, early in the morning, I, for the heck of it, I tried the, the technician, whom I had tried around four times, I think, the last week, and he never answered and never returned my call. And he picked up almost right away, which was surprising. And basically that he was going to be coming my way today. So, here's where the similarity to me. So, there was definitely a frustrating component in the the complete lack of recognition about this this behavior, this lack of accountability and basically uh, professional conduct. You know, why? Why didn't you return my call? You know, the answering, I get it, but you, you know I called. And so, my challenge, and that's kind of what started the, the podcast this morning, was my challenge is going to be to not say anything. Because I was like, okay, this is a valid question. You know, why? Why didn't you? You know, you knew I called, right? Then if you did didn't you feel like you had a professional duty to, to eventually get back to me? And so, I was like, well, number one, what's really important is the situation at hand. So, you know, kind of wanting to, to get a resolution on that. So on my end, in terms of productivity, wanting the guy to come and do his job. Number two, what are the chances, you know, I don't live here. Uh, We're not going to have a more than likely, uh, I doubt it, a long-term relationship. So, you know, I'm not investing in a relationship here, wanting to keep the slate clean, you know, about something to make sure, you know, that I respect the guy. And moving forward, you know, we have a healthy uh, professional relationship. And uh, and the other one, what would I expect to get out of it? What would the, what would his answer do? More likely, you know, might lead to more discussion, to maybe more frustration, or even confusion. So I was like, it's coming. 
I got him, he's coming. That's what's most important. So let the rest go and then move on. So basically I was on my way down to the market and there was a little exchange, a little seal exchange between me and the Paco at the fruit shop that I you were pretty off, but all that's gone. But the gist of it, as I was basically stating, you know, yeah, this is my challenge. So letting it known to you that I do not want to ask him. I don't want to indulge in that. I don't want to scratch that itch. And then as I walk my way down, I realized there was Paco right in front of me walking back inside the municipal market. And then realizing shortly after that, uh, he had just been smoking. And this disgusting, asqueroso smell of tobacco. My goodness, I don't find one redeeming thing about it, you know. Makes me think of Pilar that didn't mind, you know, about uh, Stephen. No, I don't think he was a big, big smoker, but, you know, he was a smoker. And... Uh, made her think of a dad and my parents would be smokers but for me there is nothing nostalgic about it very interesting how we all are different and of course Pilar never smoked <laughs> you know she doesn't drink she doesn't smoke doesn't do drugs you know and I did smoke however sporadically and uh, until uh, 98 until October of 98 and I quit. And so I was telling, and that may be in a weird way feeding as well, because it's not the point of that he was smoking, and, you know, I was just saying, you know, because there was nobody else, which was interesting. Uh, you know, in uh, La Fruteria El Pelon in Valencina, I mean, you have crowd quite the whole day. And here was kind of quiet. So... We're just saying kind of to strike a conversation, being like, isn't that interesting? You know that uh, we can we can we consider ourselves rationals, you know, and you know, take the topic of tobacco, which is an easy one. Es un marco fácil. It's an easy target. Uh, or blanco. Maybe it's a blanco. Maybe it's un blanco fácil. That might be it. That might be blanco target. And uh, that we know, and we we have such a great review on that part that says, I know, you know, and yet at the same time, we do those things which completely against. And uh, well, I have a feeling that I'm more likely going to be revisiting this topic, this idea of uh, contradictory behavior between the emotional side and the rational. And uh, how the emotional is really, really underappreciated in terms of its potency. You know, we we have this way of looking at things which is so rational and really when we kind of know, more than likely, I think most of us do know that it's really full of shit. It's not who's running the show in most instances. You know, even I talked about yesterday how I was eating. My goodness. I still ate quite a bit today, actually, but didn't feel uh, 
didn't feel that like I did yesterday. It felt like really panicked the shit out of my belly. Uh, it's like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> okay, we're doing the climbing, so. So, anywho. So, it was interesting, you know, just looking at Paco and say, funny, eh? With something like smoking. It just makes no sense. And then yet, it makes more sense than what actually makes sense, which is smoking is dangerous, it's unhealthy. There is no reason. There is no reason to smoke. That is really the rational, right? Who who can defend? Who could defend? You could talk about the societal uh, burden that smoking takes. Talking about the individual, even the familial, people who have emphysema or throat cancer or all kinds of cancers, or a lot of many things that are associated with smoking, you know, damage to your lungs, CPD, uh, chronic pulmonary disease, obstructive COPD, chronic opt, um, obst uh, obstructive pulmonary, I think, is it OPD, obstructive? I think, basically people having to be on a CPAP machine, or why that also could be for other reasons. But anyway, I'm not getting too distracted here by medical terminology, which can easily confuse me. Which can easily confuse me. Uh, yet, how do we make, you know, and again, some people will more than likely tell you, well, that's why, you know, because uh, whatever it is, it just will make sense. But there is no, in, in the end, the reason doesn't go there. Because if he, could if he understood it or if it could make sense of it then it would not be what it is so you know it's just not the big player it's not the only main player in the game of life uh, it's just the one that we seem to feel very good or we have a great access or understanding upon and so we just lean more into it and then we find way to make sense of uh quote-unquote idiosyncrasies or behaviors that are just unexplainable. So regardless, it doesn't matter. The mind is capable of explaining anything. That, that's the beauty of the mind. It doesn't matter. How contradictory, how dissonant, you know, how crazy it sounds. It just makes sense, you know, looking at even like the, the Trump symbol, you know, and I don't talk about the guy but just that kind of uh, outlandish, you know, way of believing about oneself and showing to the world and then being comfortable with it, you know. And maybe then you're looking at somebody who has a, doesn't have a strong of a rational hold on himself, or he doesn't need to have that much, and he has more of the other one, doesn't rely you know, anywho, I don't, who knows, who knows, but anywho, so I was, uh, yeah, chat a little bit with uh, Paco, got a few things, went to the grocery store, and then basically, my way down to the market, uh, the guy called me, so I st he stopped the podcast, and then explained to him that I left the door open, so... I'll be back in a few minutes. He was living from Haen, you know, which is around 15 or 15, 20 kilometers. 
and I'm like, well, I'm just gonna go to Dia, which is two minutes away, you know, and I'll I'll be back shortly. But I somehow got there before I did, and he called me again, so interrupted the podcast, so it kind of uh, interrupted my flow. So that's kind of the reason why. So let me give you a resume of what happened. As I understood it, after challenging one of his claim, one of his claims. So basically, he's like, look, it's working, it's working, it's working, it's working. I can't make it not work. And it smelled gas when I came in. I'm like, okay, there, you know, there could be a leak of gas. And I'm like, I want to make sure I understand you right before conveying the information that you believe that the leak could be the reason why it's not working. But I'm like, here is my problem. In the morning, so again, the house is not heated. So we've had temperature like going down to minus two. So the house is cold. And I'm like, in the morning, it's not working. When I try, you just try, start, you know, click, 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 but nothing else happened. And in the afternoon, you know, and again, I'm not using it much, but in the afternoon, looking at taking a shower, then it struggles a little bit to start. It takes a couple of times, but then it goes on. And then I'm like, it's talking about the time lapse too. It's like if you give a bunch of time, there's a weight of gas. And if it gets cold, the gas drops down. And basically, it can't get warm enough. It's not warm enough to be able to turn into vapor. That's kind of his theory, to the best of my knowledge. And I'm like, well, actually, no, the, the leak, sorry, the leak of gas was the initial one. But then I was like, if that's the case, and sometimes I go two days without using the the water, hot water heater, and then in the afternoon, after a couple of tries, it turns itself on. Then if the idea of the, the leak and then not using it doesn't make any sense. So then it was like, well, uh, using butane, and butane as a freezing point, which is not as low as propane. So maybe using propane along with, you know, checking for the leak, if there's a leak, and there could be. So there's gonna be somebody coming to check on that. But uh, the idea of maybe propane, maybe the fact that it's cold, is is it, it's too cold, not for the, I was like, is it, are you saying that if it's cold enough, the water heater can perform, and is that acceptable? Of a standard, it's like, no, 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 it's just at the gas. If it's too cold, you know, of course, with the metal from the La Bombona, the bottle of gas. Does it call them a bottle of gas? I don't know. So basically saying that uh, butane possibly just gets too cold and it can and it can function. But then, I didn't think about that, but I have no issue starting it to, use, to make my drink in the morning either. Anywho, so, but I'm not an engineer, you know, this thing's mechanical to me. I can't follow those rabbit holes. But eventually the understanding was like, still gonna ask in case there could be something to try to do with the machine. You know, why that's, that, could, that could explain differently what's going on. And if not, looking for the, the, the leak, I still don't quite see why the leak would be a matter. If depending on the time of the day it works and it doesn't because of the coldness or the idea of using a protein 
I guess it's a blend. I don't know if it was a difference between the butane and propane. I think it's possibly a different blend. And then this one has a lower freezing point and therefore would behave better. So, and if that's really the case, well, I mean, it's not really an issue. I mean, it is an issue, uh, but if it's really that, the reason, then it's not a big deal. Then it's just a matter of, uh, what if you know that? Then you don't worry about the morning use. You know, you're looking at uh, using it when it's a little warmer. So that's okay, if that's the case. So anyhow, so eventually I got that across and I was like, well, what have you here? Let me get a hold of Paco and have you talk to him. So make sure you understand that and if he basically has a question, then he can ask it. And so talk for a bit. It was a little hard to understand him, but... And of course, you know, some of the technicality I can get lost. Even in English, I would have trouble because I'm just making, I'm not mechanically or engineer inclined. So those things are just not natural to me. So anyhow, but I was able to get my point across in terms of the whole, what he was saying about the gas leakage. Why would the gas leakage matter more in the morning than in the afternoon? That just made no sense. And he kind of accepted that, kind of recognized that. And uh, uh, so we'll see. We'll see about, uh, I'm not sure when Paco is going to come. So it sounds like, well, I have the, the house is locked. I'm going to be gone for, I don't know, at least one to two to maybe three hours. I don't know. Which means uh, getting dark and getting colder. But we'll see what I feel like. I don't have a lot of walking energy, but it's nice to be out, feeling the sun, feeling the warmth. Yes, it is warming up. Anyhow, so that's going on, so that's good. And then also, started the podcast when I was leaving the library. So I talked to Antonio. Apparently, Antonio, the lawyer, is quite busy. And then basically said that uh, he will more than likely have the, the proofreading done by tomorrow for the book. So, you know. And I just kind of asked, you know, how it was going. And also wanted to make sure that he had not gotten in trouble because of me eating in the library. And he was not. So I felt good about that. Hello, cave. Cueva. I guess. Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of cool, you know, to have that uh, that mineral hole in the ground, but uh, it looks, uh, I did pick some trash before, but uh, I don't know if I picked everything, it looks pretty clean. Anyhow, I could bring a headlamp, you know, I used to do caving in uh, mostly West Virginia, there's a, there's a life cave there, and we took the students, but I mean, it's okay. It's cool. Actually, it's really cool, the idea of this, what, 52 degrees Celsius, I think. It's around that temperature. It's very stable. You know, a little humid. So, actually a great uh, place to spend the night if you're camping in the wilderness and if you can find a surface wide enough to lay your sleeping mat and your sleeping bag, then you don't need a tent. Anyhow, 
but yeah, I'm, I don't. I went down once or twice. Well, twice because the first time I was just kind of curious, and the second time was to uh, check it out and then pick up the garbage, which was recyclable. Because if you know me, you know that more than likely I'm not a big fan of picking up garbage to pick it up from one place to dump it to another place. Uh, Nimbi, Nimbe, Nimbe, as George Carlin used to say, not in my backyard. Nimbi, oh, I guess Nimbi, I think. And so for me, that makes no sense. But the recycling, the idea that something is going to be reused, you know, the possibility of it, to me, that kind of makes sense. So then I'll, I'll pick those things up. Anyhow. So, oh my goodness, that was a great nap on a, on a swing set out. Like I've mentioned, the temperatures are starting to climb. So, this is nice. You know, nice enough, so you know, it's, it, w it won't be until late when I come back. And actually, because I was thinking about what I was going to do in terms of cleaning up. Uh, so I have to heat up my water. I'm not going to take a shower. I don't need to take a shower. It's too much water. And uh, I'll just heat up about a liter, you know, and do a nice wipe. And then we're thinking, well, maybe I should turn the, the room on now. And I'm like, no, no, leave it be. And then I can go to the library. So the idea of... Uh, I'll go to that nice and warm place after taking a, a nice wipe, putting a new shirt on, and, and then I'll get the, those socks and shirt to soak tomorrow morning into a, into a tub for a while with that uh, laundry soap. I think it's doing very, very nice, you know, discovering the hand washing, and I'm not even doing a lot of scrubbing. I think I'm trying to be mindful. You know, not to stain my clothing, and then I don't really have to worry, you know, too much. It's just about the several days uh, smell of wearing something, and then to get rid of that. You know, and now that we are getting warmer days, and of course with the sun here, and of course the wind as well. So things here are going to dry pretty quick where we are. So that's good for me. Anyhow, but then I was thinking, after I do my wipe, yes, if the room is not cold, is not warm, this is going to be tricky. And again, warm is kind of a, I'm using it liberally because, well, warmer than what it would be without the heater. Let's just say, I'm very, very grateful, but you know, normally I'm still wearing my jacket, my hat, and my little sweater inside, and. I'm still bundled up, like I would be to go outside. But I'm more comfortable than outside. And so I was like, well, I'll just go to the library. You know, come in, heat up my water, crank up the heater in the room, and then uh, do my wash off, and then change clothes, and then just go into the library for, I don't know, half an hour or whatever. So we'll see when I come back. I don't know. I don't know yet what I'm going to do. Uh, anyhow.
but uh, definitely yes feeling more uh, I guess feeling more sense it makes more sense you know who I am even that you know that makes me skeptical when I'm saying it makes more sense you know what I'm feeling and I'm like you know could it be that those moments where I'm feeling off there could be red flags or there could be something in me that just being like hey hey Everything is not all peaches and cream. Could be. You know, could be. And you, know, you can't go past the choices you don't understand. So you just never know. But one day at a time, you know, still overwhelmingly, you know, grateful. Uh, for the first time, I think in about a month, I went to Mass yesterday. You know, in the past, well, I went in. I went to mass last Sunday, actually. But the last three times before, two times because of the weather, you know, cold and raining, and I'm like, no thanks. And then the other one was with Alex on the phone, and I was like, that's cool. You know, I'll uh, at least twice with him. I'll. Uh, that's more important. That phone conversation, you know. Maybe it would have been different if the weather had been nicer on that day. But again, you know, I don't know how well I am steering that boat, but you know, this guy is a, he's a wreck, you know, he's heartbroken. So, anyhow. But I went to mass last night. We had a, a special ceremony the day before because the local people, I guess, they have a. They have a cute little song about the little, uh, the blessed uh, olive. La aceituna, aceituna, or aceitunita. I forgot how to call it, the little, little blessed bendita is the blessed. It was just so cute in the song, it just cracked me up when I saw it on the screen and most people knew it. And of course it's for here, it's for Hamilena. Anyhow. So one. And then yesterday was the usual usual stuff, but it's a weekend mass with the the creed, you know. It's uh, you just say a few more things. So, and I guess here yeah, Pilar made a comment about like somehow mostly kind of get up before people do, but I mean you know eventually you know the sequence, right? So you come in, you do the sign of the cross. The Lord is with you and with you. I forgot exactly how it goes in English. And then you do the I confess. And then, uh, then in Spanish you would say, Señor ten piedad. Cristo ten piedad. Señor ten piedad. And then on the weekend, there's a Gloria. And then uh, during the week, then you just, uh, you have a prayer by the priest. And then people sit down, and somebody come up to do the reading. During the week, you have one reading, and then uh, one psalm, or part of a psalm. I don't know, actually, if it's, if, if it's a whole psalm or not. But one of the psalms, you know, of uh, David. And... Uh, and then uh, after the psalm, so the, maybe he had the same person who did it. 
So the person would have the first reading that sum, and there is a, a chorus. And after each verse, basically everybody together says a chorus, and it changes every day. And to me personally, it's a long, so I have trouble if I don't have like a visual aid to repeat it. And uh, and then then the the priest will get up, and sometimes you have an alleluia, like alleluia. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what's funny about that is they actually say it quite slow here that I'm used to. But I like it. At least they are, you know, they're adding some musical zest to it. And so sometimes, I think it's more during the weekend, so when it's happening, you have one series of Hallelujah, then there is a little quote. And then you say hallelujah again. And then then the priest announced that he's gonna read from the New Testament from one of the from one of the gospel. From one of the four gospels. And then you have those weird like mini sign of a cross on your forehead, on your chin, and on your throat, or around the top of your chest. And then Gloria ti Senor. Then the priest does a reading. And then uh, of course after each of the reading uh, anterior uh, uh, previously. You would say, they would say, Alabamos al Señor means like we praise the Lord. And then uh, then we say, uh, Gloria a ti, Señor. And in this one, you say, Gloria a ti, Señor, before he does a reading. And at the end of the reading, Gloria a ti, Señor Jesús. Then you sit down, and then the father, the father, the priest, that, that would depend. But this one, and the other one too in uh, Valencia, they will do a homily. So... They will do a little uh, discourse, monologue, reflection upon today's reading. Or sometimes there's a saint that they would announce at the beginning that they celebrated. Or something special. And so you are sitting down after the reading, and when the homily is being said, you just stay seated. And then when that's done, so you have the creed on the weekend, and if not, after the creed or during the week, then there is a intercession that have been basically asked, so like prayers. You're praying to the Lord to heed some things that you would like. So, and again, that's something that's coming from the church. So sometimes people do it, sometimes the priest. And then you repeat, Terogamos uh, oyenos means terogayon. We pray you rogar, means to pray. So terogamos means we pray to you, listen to us, oyenos. And then you do that, it's around four or five times. Then you sit down again on the weekend, and sometimes during the week, so it depends on the church, they'll pass a little basket for the donation. And of course, depending, sometimes there will be uh, some chanting, or that would depend, but typically no. But basically, that's when you're going to come and uh, the purification of the, of the uh, sanctification of the the bread and the or the bloody and blood uh, the body and blood of Christ so basically the on the altar uh i guess which is in a way the symbolic body of Christ the altar where that's happening then start the the chit chatting about uh, bendito sea el señor blessed be the lord and we present you this bread that will become food for us and then you would reply, Bendito seas por siempre, Señor. 
and uh, and then the other with uh, the wine. And so the priest does that, do his bowing, washes his hand, kind of cleaned himself before the next move, and then when he comes back, then you go back up, and then uh, you basically uh, ask the Lord to receive that, this offering. And then there's a little back and forth between the congregation and the priest. And then he starts his uh, monologue. And then you do, Santo, Santo, Santo es el Señor, Dios del Universo. Llenos están el cielo y la tierra de tu gloria. Osana en el cielo, bendito el que viene el nombre del Señor. Osana en el cielo. And then you go to your knees. Something which for quite a while I refuse to do. And I have no problem whatsoever. And I think I'm the first one too. <laughs> but basically when that that uh, incantation, what, what do you call it, that uh, singing, I guess, uh, has happened, then it's basically going to start uh, doing the, the transmugate. What is it? It's such a weird word, the idea of turning that into the blood and body of Christ. So basically that's when the priest does that. So you are basically on your knees for that part. And then talks about, uh, you know, eat and this is my body. And then the, the my blood for the remission of sin, you know, do this in in commemoration, in, in uh, commemoration mia. Basically in your name, in my, do it in my name, the eating of the bread and the drinking of the, of the wine. And then... Uh, when that's done, you go back um, to your feet, and then you say this, Anunciamos tu muerte, proclamamos tu resurrección, ven Señor Jesús. And then, then you have the Our Father. I still don't know it in Spanish by heart. I still have to look. I still have to have my visual aid. So far, I know it in French and English, and I practice it every day. It's kind of going to be fun, I think, when I when I'll be able to say it in three languages. So, and then uh, after the Our Father, and I like it, I like to say it. Um, then the next move is uh, to basically greet your fellow parishioners. So you basically, you know, the peace of Christ be with you type deal. So, you know, you make eye contact and you kind of acknowledge and send uh, nice vibe to another person so you kind of you know I'm always by myself so spin around to depending on where I'm positioned in the church and then the priest is going to be is going to be breaking the Eucharist to put a little bit in the wine and this part is Cordero de Dios que quitas el pecado del mundo Ten piedad de nosotros. 
Cordero de Dios, que quitas el pecado del mundo, ten piedad de nosotros. Cordero de Dios, que quitas el pecado del mundo, And then it's like you know, and here welcome to the to the feast of the Lord by raising the the Eucharist. Happy are the one chosen to basically take part in a in the meal of the Lord, have it said. And then you respond, Señor, no soy digno de que entres en mi casa, pero una palabra tuya bastará para sanarme. So Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house, but one word will be enough to heal, to heal me. However, that uh, I think it has to do with a soldier, if I'm not mistaken. That the guy was looking for Jesus to heal his servant, and he was so faithful that it was like, "You can go back home. He's healed. Your faith basically saved you." And uh, then the priest eats the Eucharist and then drinks the wine. It was kind of mixed with a touch of water. And it used to be before you would actually drink also from the chalice. But uh, of course, since COVID, it's not happening anymore. So you just have the Eucharist. And then when he's done, there's a guy who puts a music, nice kind of music. During the Christmas and all, it was a little more jolly, shall we say. And then basically, people who want to get in line and then we'll get uh, the Eucharist, which I do all the time. And then uh, I think I'm one of the, I'm not quite sure. I mean, in the U.S., it's something that I was used to, is you go on your knees when you get the Eucharist and you go back to your pew and basically as you're consuming the body of Christ, as a show of reverence, basically you, you stay on your knees. So I stay basically on my knee, close my eyes, invoking my mantra, which is Christian. I eventually come back to a Christian mantra. And, uh, and eventually... Everybody gets the Eucharist. They do basic cleaning or whatever it is that they do. And then the, the priest will sit down for a very short period of time. And then basically to signify a transition. And then get back up. And it was like, let's pray. Oremos. 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 And then basically thanking and talking about, you know, having taken part in that. And then you do the same sign of the cross, basically. And... The last thing is, uh, he said, now you can go in peace. And then you say, demos gracias a Dios. So demos is uh, to give in a subjunct, in an imperative subjunctive. means we give, you know, we give thanks. Thanks be to the Lord, basically. It would be yeah, the emphasis of the imperative. In Spanish, the grammar change, actually. Well, I guess you could say, let's give. Instead of, uh, I want to give you something. Let's give each other something, you know, kind of like almost uh, masho in Japanese. There is a, a structure for that when you want to emphasize. And then, uh, then there'll be a little kind of a prayer of some sort or something that's being recited and drawn by the congregation. I don't have that one, so I'm just, uh, I just go along for the ride. And, uh, and then you're done. So, no, no text. Um, what I was able to sing for you, how lucky you are, didn't know I was going to do that. 
it's just me, you know, starting to little by little. But, you know, I mean, you keep going to mass. Eventually, you're going to start to know, to know more than the guy who doesn't. So it kind of makes sense. But all that started from Pilar comment about, she was like, wow, you, you know when to get up and all. And I'm like, well, I mean, you know. I mean, I'm assuming your mother still goes to church every day, so I'm like, well, you must have been going to church when you were a kid. So, but I guess uh, she doesn't know. I mean, she goes with her mother when she goes to see her. Uh, she went with me to Sevilla because that's something that I wanted to do. Because I just wanted to share the experience with her. But uh, yeah, it's just not her ride. And I honestly, I would have no argument because intellectually, it really makes no sense. And I'm sure if I was to really be exposed to any religion, any religion, Hinduism and Buddhism, I mean, I have been some to Buddhism, but I feel like not quite long enough. But I know there was some there's a story about Captain Fantastic. <laughs> I think it's from the Mahayana which is a big wheel, the big, I think it's either the big wheel or the yellow wheel, I forgot. It's one of the teaching schools of Buddhism. There's a red one, which is a Dalai Lama, and it's where the red, red robes, and then you have the yellow one, the yellow school. And there was a story about, uh, I remember going to this uh, evening uh, uh, study group in uh, Ratnaling. It was Monday, and then we were reading this text, and it was about the Buddha called Captain Fantastic, which to me was freaking hilarious. I was like, wow, okay, Captain Fantastic. All right, all right, there's, there's not much ego going on here. And uh, he ended up killing this man because this man was about to commit, commit an act so atrocious that it was going to cost him karmically so much that it was better for the Buddha to kill him and prevent him from him to kill holy men. And that's such a high crime. And to me, it was like, that makes no sense. You know, so you're saying, you know, you shall not kill, basically, that, you know, they believe in non-suffering and you don't, you don't do that. But somehow, well, there is a loophole. Here you can. And I'm like, that sounded so much like bullshit to me. So I feel like what's lacking is a contextual teacher. You know, it's somebody who can really take in the rational incongruity of the whole theology in terms of a logical uh, framework that it's not going to happen. But yet, at the same time, to be able to spin it, but to accept it, not to try to argue it away, because you can't. You just can't. You can't rationally, uh, not yet, I don't know, but in terms of its practicality, I think in terms of its value for human being, for me, more and more I'm recognizing its importance, you know, we'll see what happens in the future, but it is something that, though I don't I agree with the dogma. I don't agree with the politics. You know, and of course, in my case, maybe what I'm missing is this conversion. You know, in like what of uh, Paul, St. Paul, you know, on the way, was it on the way to Damascus? I forgot. And basically get blinded. It's like, what do you persecute me? You know, Jesus tells him. And he had his conversion. 
and he's blind and he's led to that one of the disciples to be trained basically and he becomes the big, big, um, biggest advocate for Christ, St. Paul. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what's missing. And I'm not like I'm not comparing myself to St. Paul, but the idea of having that conversion or even thinking about Glenda talking about when she was however old. She basically, physically saw Jesus at the foot of her bed. She had that experience that, you know, kind of seeks to life. And it doesn't, doesn't matter whether you believe it or it's irrelevant. But we all have had experiences which have had a tremendous effect. Effect, meaning there was a before and after. We were just not the same person. And whether it's religion, whether it's an accident, falling in love, a job, whatever it is, religion, it doesn't matter. It's something that just transforms you, you know, that just completely, you know, you get a completely update of the software, hardware, you're just a complete different human being. Very humbling, too. And so, you know, maybe that's for me, to be in a place, hold on, let me see, that I'm not uh, killing it here. That's okay, I've got 10 minutes. That's a long one. And, uh, you know, and until that's the case, I, I don't care about anybody else's story. You know, it's like, yeah, that's your story. Great. Good for you. You know, you had something happen and you became a different person. I mean, number one, many of those stories are bullshit, meaning those people are going to change anyway. You know, it's maybe kind of a high, a momentary high that they have. And then uh, I think most people do change anyway. But some people do, for sure. I remember this guy when I worked at the teach tree tea room in Fredericksburg, the general manager. So I was uh, running the kitchen there. And uh, I forgot his name. But I felt like I was with somebody that was just not a Christian, like, but he was really a practicing Christian. I mean, he would, uh, there would there'd just be something about his behavior that was very interesting. He was very uh, uh, magnanimous. There was something about it. Very, very interesting. So we. We get together. I, I forgot if he came to the house or not. I don't know. Anyway, but I liked him. And there was something about him that he felt like he was really, he wasn't just talking the talk, he was walking the walk. But those are far and few in between, meaning, you know, like people, you know, outside of the church. And even then, you don't know. I mean, there, there are snake oil salesmen everywhere. So, but of course, for me, I'm definitely biased when it comes to monks. I just feel it's different when you hear them or you when you're with them, you know. And of course, you know, it's not like it's unlike the world, but I would compare it to the Camino, meaning the percentage of people or the quality of that percentage is just higher in a monastic environment than uh, in your regular life. And actually, case in point, one of the Desert Fathers that I started to read, he's, he's uh, my goodness, he's admonishing quite a bit, he's pissed. In his writing, whoa, <laughs> definitely different than the other guys. But basically, talking about those priests who just uh, horrible uh, symbol, basically for the monastic life, who just who do it a, a great disservice. So again, you know, there is no like safe place, or as Mark Manson would say, it like find, find your shit sandwich. You know, find that which to you is the one that you want to bite in. And you want to work with and struggle with, you know. It's not about not struggling. Life is not about not struggling or end struggle. It's about finding the right one. Being where you want to be. Not because you know where it's going to take you or, you know, the whole Walt Disney forever and ever. There's no such a thing.
So, so anywho, and here I am now on a beautiful afternoon. The wind, the little breeze is picking up. It's uh, yeah, ridiculously gorgeous. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep going on on my own. Let's see, you know, emotionally what's going on with me. What's gonna keep happening? So. I guess it's what now? Yeah, now we're looking a little over a month since I got back from uh, from Sevilla. So I'm more than likely kind of going into a, you know that kind of cruise control. And uh, and here I am on this beautiful <laughs> trail, all to myself. So. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that I would rather be by myself. I'm definitely saying I would rather be by myself than being with the, the company I don't want to be with outside of necessity or whatever the case may be. That to me would be nightmarish. But, uh, I feel good where I am. And even yesterday, even when I felt off, it was like, you know, there was nowhere, nowhere for me to go. There's no place that I wanted to go because it wasn't about that, you know. And uh, and I feel great here. Hmm. Anyway, gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. So, everybody out there, uh, have a beautiful one.